Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we, we speak. speak. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this John of All Trades podcast promo. Each Wednesday, I bring you a brand new interview with someone fascinating and ask the question we all ask when we meet someone new. Hey, what do you do? It's fun, informative, and it's the 2017 Westward Reader's Choice Award winner for Best Denver Podcast, iTunes, Stitcher, and johnofalltrades.us. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to the Real Nerds podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy, at Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Brian. No, that's this is my announcer voice, and you're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Should I do this as my real self? Oh, shucky darn. Hi, this is Brian Cummings. You're listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Okay, do it straight. Hi, this is Brian Cummings, and actually, you are listening to Real Nerds Podcast. Send money and real estate. Welcome to another Real Nerds Podcast interview from Denver Pop Culture Con 2019. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Denver Pop Culture Con 2019, live on the showroom floor. We are joined by author Dan Grant. Thanks, Dan, for coming on our show. Oh, thank you for having me. So what brings you to Denver? So uh, I actually live local and stuff like that. And last year I presented on the author track. I did a, a villain session and, and science magic and... and uh, a wizardry and storytelling last year and and then again this year i came back with i have two books out now they're both thrillers uh my style is science and medicine and science fiction and thrillers and stuff like that and so i'm also doing the author stuff i did a villains thing uh two days ago and then and no i actually I, we did the hero's journey two days ago and then i do a villains uh session today villains they're heroes of their own uh journey and stuff like that so uh I do a, uh, the hero thing that I do is a little bit different. We did a buy one, get one last year with Doctor Strange and Thor Ragnarok on the Hero's Journey storytelling wheel. And, and this year they wanted a little bit of a DC flavor. So with DC coming out with both Wonder Woman and Aquaman, it was fun to place them in the same setting so that you could analyze and figure out how they told those stories in the classical Hero's Journey structure. And I think you're right, too, because if you ask any villain... They don't think they're the villain. They oh, think they're the hero of their story, correct? Yeah, a absolutely. And, and one of the unique things, I think, at least in our culture, is, is our villains are getting a lot more sophisticated and deeper. And, and that makes them fun because they're not the cardboard cutouts of yesterday where, oh, they appear and then, boom, you know, bad things happen. And then they, they get, you know, the, their fate, their just due and stuff like that. Um, Marvel does a really great job with their villains. Actually, so does DC and stuff in the comic book world. Um, and that makes talking about them really fun in, in, in the whole journey structure of 
the heroes versus villains and stuff like that. And and some ways we want to root for the villains in some cases where they're not all so clear, where the, the villain isn't all evil. They're a little bit of a mix and stuff like that. You know, because I, I agree 100%. Have you seen Endgame and Infinity War? Oh, yes. yes. So, because We're not if, allowed to talk about Endgame. Yeah, right? No spoiler alert. Because if, you, if, you, if you ask Thanos, he believes he's... That's right. Doing everything right. And he's he's not the bad guy. The Avengers are the bad guy from stopping him from balancing the universe. And, and he's doing what is right and just in his world as a personification of how he sees the universe. And, you know, in his particular case, it's overcrowded, uh, too densely populated. People aren't allowed to thrive and survive. And so his thing is, is he's trying to be compassionate, oddly enough, in his own way where he's just dividing them, but he doesn't always pick and choose. Um, and, and in the Avengers case, he actually did choose a little bit because he did allow Tony Stark to survive, at least in the Infinity War and stuff like that, where we lost other Avengers and stuff, which people cried about. It's so sad. But <laughs> um, Yeah, and, and he was ultim- the ultimate villain. Look at how many Avengers have to face him to, to even without the, the magic hand and, and the infinity storms. He's actually quite the villain. Um, so definitely not a cardboard cutout there. I agree. So uh, let's talk about how do you write a compelling villain then in so, your thrillers? Yeah. So I have an engineering background by degree, and I've been really fortunate in my area of engineering. I've got to work with a lot of research, and whether it's medical research or lab research, um, Department of Defense stuff. I got to see a lot of stuff that most people don't, and I ask questions. I'm always asking questions about, well, what about this? What about that? Uh, the first novel that I have, uh, the thriller that I have that came out, is called The Singularity Witness. It came out last October, and it's about a, a neurological researcher that has cutting edge research that nobody else has, and they're killing to obtain it. And and I have a co-hero a hero in that case, Kate Morgan. She's an FBI agent. And she's looking for a missing senator, so she needs a doctor to get in the research lab. Once they're in the lab, bad things happen. And I loved her so much that I wrote a, a different style of thriller that's a parallel story. It's not a sequel with just her, and it just came out this May. So, so I'm trying to find ways to make the stories a little magical where I'm trying to do my research on my end and find aspects of science and science fiction and, and medicine that uh, maybe people don't see or they may not know unless they're really a geek and a nerd and that's what they love. And then I try to weave it in the fabric of the story so that there's a compelling tapestry that the, the characters are placed against. So there's a fabric there of how the, the, the story's told against. And, and that gives it a little bit extra life and stuff. And, and I definitely have a, a science medicine slant, science fiction slant on the first one. And the second one is really catch me if you can with a little bit of back science of super soldiers that I actually read in a white paper years ago about the ethics of, of the test tube generation of what they were trying to do and the government wanted to achieve. And, and the unique thing there was the guy who wrote it is really an ethicist. And his question was, should we be doing this? Which gave me great fuel for a villain. And, and he tells his story in a crossword puzzle because he blames the FBI agent for killing his family. So it's set across seven stops in Washington, D.C. that are not the typical, oh, I go to the Washington Monument, I'm going to Lincoln Memorial. I actually take you to a, um, an insane asylum 
uh, a monastery, a Civil War graveyard. So I'm doing these these places that give Washington, D.C. a little bit more life. And I found it fun. I just love traipsing through the different places, learning about stuff. And I only use 10% of what I do on my research in the story because it's really a character-driven story and stuff like that. So. You know, because that's going to actually kind of be my question is because I'm dumb. And so when you put in the medical and all the, I guess, the research into the medical stuff, how do you make it accessible to someone who doesn't necessarily understand that aspect of medical profession? So I'll put it into the plot in terms of a needed tool that they have to go get or use. And and there's a piece in the Singularity Witness that... um, human organ uh, generation artificially has been around for a while whether it's livers or whatever else and and that's called or- organoids and stuff and and the great thing about medicine is 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 the heart i think is in the right place for most of the researchers because it's going to benefit society about repairing the liver and everything else well what i did is is i i extrapolated that into the mind because uh, a disease like the Parkinson's or Alzheimer's is so destructive that we are only treating it with drugs, really, to repair it. Well, there's a whole series of, of neurologists working on or- organoids as the, a little mini brain. And when I came across that, I'm going, oh, wow, what could you do with a mini brain? And the great thing, of uh, a perfect example of what science is doing is instead of doing using a, a laboratory rat or a monkey to experiment on, they can actually use, they can... Um, put a disease in the little mini brain and then use cancer drugs to treat the disease before they go to trials for humans, which is really sort of a cool thing. Well, if you if you take it into evil extremes, you could say, well, what if I put inputs into the little mini brain? Can I do things with it? And, and that gives another piece there. And so now there's a little of a tug of war of ethics. So what I'm always trying to do is find little interesting tidbits that I could use as flavor to add to the secret sauce of the story. So so I'm trying to make it accessible to everybody so that you don't have to always be a nerd or a geek in that area. You know, maybe your interest is in, you know, NASA and stuff like that. Well, I'm not doing space missions to Mars, but I'm doing other stuff. And if you blend in the aspect of conspiracy and greed, human greed is a great element for villains. It, it's, it's a great playground to, to be in. So, yeah. Did you have a question, Zach? I interrupted you two Sorry, questions I, ago. No, um, <laughs> it, I, I, I've been looking over kind of like the, the descriptions of everything and like the 13 across just kind of like weaving in some history and landmarks into your stories sounds very interesting. Like, do you like, are you a history buff and do you kind of just kind of weave that stuff into it or is it kind of just like, it's an idea that sounds good, let's go with it? No, I'm actually one of these people that, uh, you yell squirrel, I turn my head, right? So <laughs> squirrel. I'm, 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 so um, I'll go down that rabbit hole. I already knew that um, when I wrote the story, I actually wrote these stories years ago in the late 90s. My career took off, and then my wife encouraged me to take them out. So I dusted them off, and I totally rewrote them. They're not the same story. But I knew in that one it was a crossword puzzle. So what I actually had to do is break the crossword puzzle in seven different stops in Washington, D.C., so I had to mat, make the crossword puzzle uh, add to the backstory of the villain and, and actually have a destination or a location, a meaning for the, the villain to why would the, the heroine who's chasing him go to that location? What would she learn by that little piece of tidbit? 
so I go out and do my research. I went to all the different places, um, traipsed around in, in, in the woods looking for stones it discarded from the, 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 the capital, had a remodel, and they discarded what's called capital stones. Well, I, I wanted to build that into the story. Why is that important and stuff like that? So it actually adds to everybody's past in some way, and it shows some flaws. Uh, the reason, just like Thanos, uh, the villain needs, um, who's a disenfranchised super soldier, he needs a reason to tell his story, and he's doing it in such a grand manner that the government can't cover it up. So that's his version of the crossword puzzle is doing something so horrific across Washington, D.C., that the government, because of the media, is so involved in things, they just can't hush it up. He's going to tell his story, and everybody will grab into it, and, and, and they'll learn a lot more about him and the reason and everything else. And So it sort of gave me a compelling uh, piece to paint against as an artist. And I like I was flipping through and I saw that you kind of incorporate crossword puzzles into it, like in between certain things and whatnot. So I found that interesting that you would kind of bring the reader into the story even further with a little bit of a, not a picture, an illustration, but just like, a, you know, a, like a, a, a companion to the whole scenario. And you have Will Shorts in the book, oh, yeah. which is yeah. a, which is a fun little tidbit for people who um, if they haven't like read about Will Shorts and like the what he does to create those crossword puzzles. It's like a fascinating element to add into it. Yeah. Um, uh, Will was fantastic um, in my ever level of, of, or in my effort to do research. I wanted to know about the lore of crossword puzzles, and I wanted to know a few things that I didn't know as a hobbyist for crossword puzzles. Everybody can kick my butt in crossword puzzles, but I needed to know a little bit more, and I emailed him, and he was gracious enough to email back and then I asked him questions when we had this 40-minute-plus uh, uh, conversation, just this little dialogue going on. And I was asking him, well, what's the word that, that covers the whole crossword? Is there a label to that? And he thought for a moment, and he really, there wasn't. So we sort of joked around, well, maybe it's a, a 15 or, or if it's a 15 by 15 grid. And so I was trying to figure out... Um, a little bit of the depth and crossword puzzles and how how things are sort of done some of the rules by which i break in this um and he was so gracious with his time at the end i said well would you mind being a fictionalized version of yourself and and he said yes which uh is really gracious on his part so not only did i complicate a thriller by putting it in a crossword puzzle in it but i also added a real character to it as well and I had to stay semi-true to who he is as a person. Um, he has a little bit of a celebrity and fandom in crosswords and everything else. He does national public radio with his show. He edits for the New York Times. Uh, he goes out and talks to people about wordplay and stuff. Very talented person. Um, but I, the only, I said, is there, are there limits that I can use with your character? And he said, no, not really. So I made a promise. Um, somebody I know... Um, a friend works for the Jack or writes for the Jack uh, Ryan series and Tom Clancy, and there it's he joked in his contract that he can't kill off Jack Ryan, um, and I made Will Shorts the same promise. I won't kill you off. You, you, your fans will will still enjoy you. So uh, hopefully he enjoys the story. He uh, he got a, a copy. I just came out with that in May, right before the con here. So hope hopefully he enjoys it. I try to do a couple things more than just using him. As a subject matter expert, I try to get him out of the box and do different things. So that was fun because as a creative 
artist, you're trying to go, well, what if, what if this, what if that? And, and I, I wanted to get them out of the cube of the FBI. The FBI helped on some questions that I had. Uh, I've been really blessed that people gave me, you know, the National Park Service talked to me and the FBI talked to me and I would just ask them questions and, and rarely did somebody say, no, we can't answer that. So um, I wanted as much authenticity to it as possible. So. Uh, hopefully, Will finds it a little uh, intriguing of what he does. It's probably a little weird to read him about himself in third person. You're like, I'm in this? <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. So, so now, so do you write the crossword puzzles before you write the story, or do you write the crossword puzzles after you've written the story and use them as a tool to solve the thriller you're telling? Because that's really fascinating to me. Yeah, so in, in this 13 Across... Um, I had, I'm a plotter, so I build the plot outline of the story, and then I free write or I pants between those plot points. And the great thing about having the, the, the latitude to free write and pants is it allows me to be a little bit more organic and ask more questions where I'm just a plotter. So many plotters don't deviate from the plot structure. I like the freedom of, of asking those questions like, oh, I need to go back and fix this, or, or what in, in Will's case, he, I have him go out on an errand because everybody else is in chaos in the FBI and, and he can go out and do something. So it's new territory for him to go out and do something as uh, it, the little joke is he's the errand boy and he finds himself in a very uh, peculiar situation. The heroine is the same way. She's caught up in these uh, dastardly deeds and, and everything else and she's on the front lines of solving stuff and, and, and she's really a forensics person with a medical she, she wanted to be family medicine, and, and so her life had a back tragedy and stuff like that, and she left family medicine to be forensics. So part of that is is how organically can I put her in situations that aren't a forensics person's, you know, and make her a field agent, which she's really not. So she's actually learning how to be a field agent for the FBI and, and stuff like that. So it's, I, I, I just love using that plot structure as sort of to get me there, but then I'll go ahead and deviate it. Obviously, with the crossword puzzle, uh, there was only actually one word that I officially had to replace at the end that it didn't work. But everything else I managed to make work in some some way. I do use uh, two-letter acronyms uh, for words because in my particular puzzle, it, it wasn't working out to always be a three-character or greater word or a phrase or something like that. But, yeah, it's, it was fun. And then how do you make that piece flavor back or touch back to the location you know and that everything had to be either backstory or location and and that was the challenge of finding those destinations that made it up with a puzzle and then breaking it up in seven elements so that it was still a mystery till the bitter end and stuff like that so i knew i knew where i was going for the most part uh i did have a, a to change a few things up after writing the initial scenes and then going out to D.C. and going, well, this ain't going to work, you know, or I could fictionalize it, but then readers who go to those places would know, well, dude, you went way off the map. It's nothing like <laughs> what you said. So I try to make that. The first book is uh, set in Princeton, so I, ha- I had a Princeton flavor to it and stuff like that. I uh, lived nearby for a year with my wife and, nice. and stuff like that. So I just fell in love with Princeton. It's a <laughs> wonderful place, a wonderful college town and the whole town itself. Right. Well, where can we find you and where can we buy your books? So um, I'm, I'm white as an author, so you can find me at uh, most 
major retailers, whether that's uh, Barnes & Noble or Amazon here locally. Uh, you can order through the tattered cover if I'm not there. Uh, you can find me at uh, dangrantbooks.com. If you want to email me, it's pretty simple. It's dan at dangrantbooks.com. Um, so, and so I'm, I'm pretty accessible. I'm, I'm going to work both of these uh, story sets in their own um, series almost where I want, I want to come back with Kate Morgan and the FBI. And somebody asked, actually, on the Singularity Witness, I had a, a book group ask about one of the other villains, and, and they want to know about her. So maybe I'll throw in uh, a side story about a, a middle-aged uh, ex-wife of a senator that... <laughs> is gone rogue so uh, so yeah uh what uh female fatale there so uh yeah so thank you dan for stopping by and sharing this sounds awesome well so thank, thank you, you for, for having sharing your stories with us absolutely have a rest good rest of the con couple hours i don't know <laughs> when you're here for so long it's all blends together absolutely thank you hey thank you this has been another real nerds podcast interview from denver pop culture con 2019 see you next year Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening and have a nice day.